Well, good morning, church family. How are we? Thank you so much to our friends and family that come. Uh, we're privileged to be able to publicly declare that Ola is definitely a gift from God. And this morning, um, we're starting a new series in uh, 1 Peter. And the title of this series is indeed Unmistakable. Unmistakable. And so we can explore through the letter so many different topics and so many ways in which we as Christians have a hope that is unmistakable. And we as Christians need to live out lives that are unmistakable towards others. For me, I was really hopeful and unmistakably hopeful that my voice would be well and true after having the flu. But for 10 days, my voice still hasn't completely returned. So if it sounds a bit funny and I do do take a few deep swallows, uh, you know what's going on. But welcome to church this morning. And um, I'm going to give us a bit of a history snapshot. So we are indeed, as I said, in 1 Peter. So what was happening at the time? And if we want to know what happened at the time, we have to go back, way back to 62 AD. So 62 years after Jesus' death. That's a long time ago. A mathematician would be able to work out how many years, but that is a long time ago. And so we are in 62 AD this morning. And it was at the time when the emperor Nero reigned. And he was known as an extremely cruel man. He did not like Christians at all. And here we find the Apostle Peter. Peter, who was one of the 12 disciples, he had hung around with Jesus for the three years Jesus was on earth. And he knew Jesus intimately. And we know a lot of things about the Apostle Peter. But here the Apostle Peter is writing down part of his ministry and he's writing to the Christians that are scattered. And most likely because of connecting all the dots, we find Peter in Rome. The guy who Jesus said, on you, Peter, you are the rock. On you, I will build my church. And here Peter is, he's proclaiming the gospel in Rome and telling the people around there about Jesus. And now he's writing to the Christians to encourage them under immense persecution. As I said, Nero did not like the Christians at all. There was a big fire that happened in Rome in about 64 AD. And they, what Nero actually said was, well, this big fire, it was called the, uh, the, the biggest fire, the great fire of Rome. And Nero turned around and said, well, most likely it was probably the Christians that did that. So what would have happened to the Christians? Everybody turned against them. There was a certain point when Nero decided, well, it was a good idea to, instead of responding in a different way, he decided, well, let's light up the Christians. Crazy, the persecution these people were under. And this book is to encourage them to say, you Christian, hold fast, persevere under this persecution, under this suffering, because of the hope and the promise that you have in Jesus. So that's our title for today, Unmistakable Hope, Unmistakable Hope. Let me pray for us as we open up this letter in 1 Peter and we read together from God's Word this morning. Thank you, Father, for this beautiful day that you've given us. Thank you, Lord, that your mercies are truly new to us every single day. And Father, we are so thankful for your Word, how much it teaches us, how much it, it points us towards you. And Father, I just pray, Lord, that today that your word would speak. 
Father, my words would be forgotten, but your word, Father, that stands eternity, will remain today in our hearts and our minds. Lord, that you would challenge us in the way we live, in the way we declare who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so on the screens, there will be the verses there, but you can also follow along. Open up your Bibles in 1 Peter. We're going to start reading from verse 3 in chapter 1. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Our first question we're going to explore together this morning is, what is this hope? Peter talks about hope. What is this hope that he talks about? And we see from these verses pretty clearly, he identifies aspects of this hope. He says in the first verse, in verse 3 there, it says, Praise be to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, in His great mercy has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance. So what do we see? We see this hope that he talks about in three aspects. This hope is that you have a new birth. When you become a follower of Jesus, when you turn to Him and you say, God, you are God and I, Lord, am a broken, sinful person. You turn to Jesus, you have a new birth. You become a new person. You are born again. And secondly, we see a new birth. You were given into your heart a new hope. It's interesting that Paul defined, Peter defines this new hope not as a just, he doesn't just use the word hope. He uses the words living hope. So there's a new hope that you have. When you become a follower of Jesus, it's like, it's like you, all of a sudden your eyes get lifted. You start seeing God in a new way. You start understanding the world in a new way. Understand who God is. You receive a new birth. You receive a new hope. And you receive a new family. When we become followers of Jesus, all of us, all Christians become part of God's family. We have a new family. And in that family, you have an inheritance. And that is what Jesus promises us. That's what this hope promises us, that we have an eternal life with Jesus. We have a new birth, we have a new hope, and we have a new family. That is what this hope is defined according to Peter. And how should we respond to this hope? In verse 6 it says, In all this you greatly rejoice. We should have joy because of this hope that we have, this living hope. And he says it again, For through Him now you believe in Him and you are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. See, when we become followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit actually enters into our life and He gives us this inner strength, this inner joy, this inner hope that fills our lives. That's what Peter is talking about here. We should, in response, have joy because of this hope. But Peter also defines why. He talks about the fact that 
yes, this is how this, this is what it looks like. But he also defines why. He says, why should you have this hope? We see in these verses, in verse 6, he starts talking about, you should greatly rejoice, though for a little while in this life, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Remember the persecuted Christians in Rome. They're suffering grief and trials of many kinds. In verse 7, he says, These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, which is worth greater than gold, which perishes even through the fine by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. See, Peter acknowledges the struggles of the Christians in Rome and all scattered across. Acknowledges the persecution that they face. Acknowledges the pain they're going through. Acknowledges the grief of losing loved ones and the pain they're going through because of the persecution they face. I don't know if you're the same, but lots of people struggle with this topic. Human suffering. Have you ever had a conversation with anybody about human suffering? People ever questioned how can a good God allow bad things to happen to good people? The plight of humanity, the suffering that we all go through. And we see here Peter saying it's a good thing. That's hard for us to wrestle with. Intellectually, we can understand it. Let me run us through. This is what I believe and this is what the Bible teaches us, that God created all things. He created all things to be perfect. But because of humanity's rebellion and turn against God, that is not what our world looks like. Our world is not perfect. As a result, there is suffering. There is pain. There is brokenness. And so how can God use something that's broken? How can God use suffering and turn it into good? Well, we know that we have a good God and He uses all things for the good of those who love Him. So He takes our suffering, our pain, our struggles, and He uses it to refine us, to challenge us, to help us to become stronger in our faith, to put more and more trust in God as we lead through life and face all these trials. But yet it's so hard for us to grapple with this emotionally. I think all of us in this room have felt some sort of pain, have felt grief, have lost loved ones, have felt extremely lonely at times, have gone through broken relationships. We all have gone through pain and struggles and strife. Illness, sickness, happens all around us and in our own lives. Hard for us to grapple with this. But Peter reminds us that when we go through these struggles and we actually look to God through them, it will prove genuineness of our faith. It will refine our faith. It will strengthen our faith in God. And as a result, the creator of the world, the maker of all things, our Father in heaven will get the glory. 
that he deserves. So why do we suffer? That he can have the glory. See, Peter goes on to say that this hope and salvation is something that was spoken about long, long, long time ago. That the prophets in the Old Testament, that the Old Testament actually proves the New Testament. In the New Testament, it actually comes alive and we look at it through the lens of the Old Testament. And it was spoken a long time ago that this was God's plan. He predicted it. He predicted that the sufferings of the Messiah will happen and then the glory of him will follow. It was long predicted, long planned that Jesus would come and that he would suffer and die. And because of what he did, there would be new life. There would be a new family and there would be a new hope, significant glory to follow. Who loves the book of Lamentations? Is there anybody in the room? Anybody that loves the book of Lamentations? For those that know the Old Testament, the book of Lamentations is a book about disappointments. The whole book, it's an author that sits down and he wrestles through what's happened to the nation of Israel after they rebelled against God and, and they're living in Jerusalem and then the Babylonians come in and they take them and they, they destroy, plunder the whole Jerusalem and they take them out of the promised land and here the Israelites are living in Babylonia and they are miserable. They're sad and the whole book is sad. It is someone lamenting, crying out against God with the disappointments they see. But you know what? I actually love this book. I truly do. You might think I'm crazy, but I truly love this book. Do you know why? Because in the midst of the book of Lamentations, in the midst of the pain and suffering that this person sees all around them, in the middle of it, right in the middle, we find these verses. Because of the Lord's covenant faithfulness, we do not perish. His mercies never fail. They are new Every morning, how great is your faithfulness, O God. So I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will put my hope in him. In the midst of all your pain, of all your grief, of all your suffering, there is still hope because God is God. He is in control. And so even in this book of Lamentations, even in our sadness and even in our grief, we can still look up to things of above. We can still look to our God who is in control. Right in the middle of it all. I think similarly, this, these Christians are also living in exile. So Peter writes to the Christians scattered all across and are persecuted. And similarly here, this author, they're scattered. But still, we know who our God is. We still know that he is faithful, he is merciful, he is good, and it's in him that we put our trust. So again, why this hope? I love how Alex is one of our congregation members and he does all our graphic design and he puts these series intro videos together. He's a really talented guy. And um, we only gave him three days notice this time around. So he put a great effort in and got it done, which is amazing. Um, unmistakable. And what you can see on the U there, what, what does that shape resemble? A cross. 
So if I ask you this question, why do we have this hope? It's because God didn't leave us in our own situation. See, our world is broken and we rebelled against God, which is a result of it. But God didn't leave us in that, did he? No. He sent Jesus. We know that Jesus lived. He was a man who lived on earth. There's a historical account of Jesus living on earth. And the Bible teaches us he was God, fully God, but also fully man. And God enters into the world. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. As a human, he was mocked. He was scorned. He was tortured. He was killed on a cross. He understands human suffering. Our God understands human suffering. He saw it in his son. Jesus understands human suffering. He understands the pain that we go through, the trials that we carry. And yet he continued. He continued to suffer for us and went to the cross and died for you and for me. Jesus died. The Bible teaches us sin pays off with death. So Jesus had to die as an atonement for us, for our sin. Because of this, we need to live it out. Because of this hope that we have in Jesus, surely we need to live it out. So how can we do that? How can we live it out? How can we live out this hope? An author, biblical author and and writer writes this. A man can live about 40 days without food, about three days without water, about eight minutes without air, but only one second without hope. Powerful, isn't it? Yet there are so many people around us living in our communities that are without hope. Living without hope. We see we have a broken world. We have a broken community. We see increases in mental health struggles and sicknesses and We see now increase in financial pressures and people, homeless people in Townsville. We see it in our community. People struggling to make ends meet. People on hopeless situations. People feeling lonely. And yet we have a hope, a living hope that we need to share. See, I do think that as Christians, there's a difference with hope. I do think that we need to live differently. Yet, I think a lot of us have a dead hope, a fragile hope, not a living hope as Peter describes it. See, a dead hope says that hope is something that's just, it's a wishful thinking. That, that might happen. maybe maybe God will do it that way or we just hope that, that God will do things better. Wishful thinking. Whereas what the Bible talks about, biblical hope is confident expectation. 
a confidence in who God is, a confidence that God will remain true to his promises, a confidence that Jesus will one day come back and set all things right, that there will be no more pain, no more tears, no more dying, that Jesus will return indeed and set all things right. See, when I say we live with a dead hope, I'm pointing the finger right at myself. Last week, we had this amazing privilege of running a sports holiday program. And so we had 50 little kids, primary age school, running around and they were having a great time because they were playing sports. And I had planned this whole program with, uh, with someone that had this vision in, in Canada and God brought them over and God did so many amazing things, answered so many prayers for this thing to happen. And here we are on the first day and I'm looking at my team and we have six leaders that have come down for different reasons, people with COVID. And so I had 15 leaders and all of a sudden I have nine leaders and we don't have enough leaders to really do this program well. And I remember on the first day, I'm, I'm calling Belinda and she's like, oh, how did it go? It was the first day. And I'm talking to her on the phone as I'm packing up and going home. And I said to her, if I ever want to do this in the future, please tell me to never consider it again because this is a silly idea and it just doesn't work. And so we were running around and the kids were running around circles around the leaders and we were all really struggling, having a really rough day. And so you see, my hope wasn't in God who brought this whole thing together. No, my hope was in my strength. And when my strength was weaning and my hope was this week is going to be terrible, it quickly looked like a dead hope, not a living hope. And on that afternoon, I just had to say, God, this is, this is yours. This is your program. You put it together. And I remembered how faithful God is and how he's answered prayers. And I just had to put my faith that God was going to make this work. And what I can tell you is that God used this program in an amazing way. We had so many kids, 35 kids from our community that have no connections with the church. And we had so many good connections. We were able to share each day the love of Jesus with these young people. And then on the last day, we had a barbecue and we invited all the families to come. And six of the families that came that afternoon, Tara was able to connect to. We were able to share with them about the church and about the things happening in the church. And six of the families were really interested in connecting in more with the church and coming to kids' church and finding out more. And so we are so excited about what God's going to do with that. And that is exceptional for me to, to know that that's not me. I was just faithful to what God put in front of me, but God does all the rest and we can trust in Him and in His plans. When we have dead hope, it leads to disappointment. But when we have a living hope, it leads to us trusting God more. See, the problem is when we live with dead hope, as Christians, we're not actually demonstrating who God is through our lives. A quote from the late Billy Graham. There is, no, there is more joy in the wagging of a dog's tail than on the face of many Christians. It's a bit harsh, but it's true. See, it was always part of God's plan. It was always part of God's plan. 
that He would send His Son and that Jesus would die on the cross for us. And that through Jesus, He would send the Holy Spirit to live and dwell in our lives. And all of a sudden, we as the followers of Jesus, we become the church the body of people that are meant to be God's ambassadors here on earth, showing His love, showing His hope, showing His joy to the people around us. Answering the prayers of the lonely, answering the prayers of the hopeless. Jesus was skin on. We are meant to be the bringers of hope in our struggling community. The church is the living hope. So are we living unmistakable? Are we living hopeful lives? When people look at you, they see something different. Unmistakable. Not able to be mistaken for anything else. Very distinctive. Very different. That is who we, who we are meant to be our hope in Jesus. An answered prayer for many around us. So my challenge to you is, how can you live with unmistakable hope this week? How can you live it out tomorrow in your workplace? See, when God gives us the opportunities then, how do we respond? Peter says later in his letter, it says, always be willing to share the hope that you have in Christ Jesus. So this week, that is my challenge to you. Let's live with an unmistakable hope that Jesus is who he says he is. It was either the greatest lie ever or the most important truth for each of us. That Jesus came, he died, and he is alive. Let's live tomorrow differently. Let's live with the expectation that Jesus is, Jesus is coming back. Let me pray for us this morning. Thank you, Jesus, that you do reign. And God, we acknowledge you as the creator of all things. And Lord, we acknowledge that it wasn't your plan for us to live this way. Your plan was for us to live in perfect relationship with you. But Father, we know that each of us often say we want to do the right thing, but end up doing the wrong thing anyway. And so Lord, we just ask, Lord, that you would remember, remind us, reveal to us again who you are. The saving work of Jesus in each of our lives. The living hope that we have because of Jesus and what he's done. Lord, setting our eyes to eternity, setting our eyes, knowing that one day, Jesus, you will come back. You will set all things right. Jesus, help us to be the unmistakable hope in our community, to live faithfully each day, showing your love, declaring your mercy.